Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Chilton as we seek to take truth into the arena of ideas. And so we thank you uh, for joining us today on the podcast. We have a special podcast in Stone Tap for you. Uh, you're listening now to the music of Crosby Lane from Nashville, Tennessee. They are a wonderful group. We had a chance to have them at uh, our church this past Sunday night. I want to thank our uh, director of missions, Dennis Shaw, for uh, getting them set up for us uh, at Huntsville Baptist Church. They do a wonderful job. They they are a, they are a country and western uh, gospel trio. And I tell you, folks, if you get a chance to have them booked in your church, I would highly encourage you to do just that. Uh, go to CrosbyLane.com uh, for more details about where they're going. In fact, I know after they finish a trip here in the Carolinas, they're going over to Seattle, Washington. I believe they said this weekend. So if you go to CrosbyLane.com, you can hear more of their music. And uh, I think you'll be blessed from them. We bought uh, a couple of CDs from them. And so uh, they just do a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, We have a very special show on tap for you today. And we're going to get into that in just a few moments. Uh, First of all, we want to let you know uh, that uh, the Bellator Christie podcast is a production of BellatorChristie.com. We do encourage you to go to the website, uh, check out the website, and subscribe. By doing so, you'll have links to all the podcasts as well, to, as well as the articles uh, in your inbox, absolutely free. And so we encourage you to do just that. Also, uh, we are um, um, you can catch your podcast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, as well as Stitcher. We encourage you to go and check us out there as well. Click subscribe, and uh, by doing so, you'll catch all the podcasts as soon as they become available uh, to you. So we, uh, we encourage you to do just that. Again, we have a very great we have a great show on tap, and we're going to get into that in just a few moments. We have Michael Bohm with us uh, as he is going to discuss part two of our study on the occults, and so we'll bring him on here in just a few moments. Again, thank you for joining us today, and we do have a couple of conferences to tell you about. Uh, let me get that for you. Hold on just one second. Uh, 
Okay, we do have a couple of, uh, of, of conferences we need to tell you about. First and foremost, I want to let you know about uh, the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. Uh, you've heard me mention this before on the podcast. Uh, this is coming up October 13th and 14th. Uh, this is hosted by Southern Evangelical Seminary and will be held at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Among the speakers uh, will be Michael Brown of Line of Fire, Norman Geisler will be there, Gary Habermas of Liberty University will be there, Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis, he'll be there, uh, Richard Howe, he'll be there. Looking forward to this guy, Greg Kokel uh, from Stand to Reason, looking forward to him being there, he'll be there th- this year. Richard Land, uh, president of SES, will be there. J.P. Moreland, another guy I'm looking forward to. Uh, to hearing at this conference. He'll be there. Uh, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, uh, Frank Turek, and Jay Warner Wallace, among uh, many other speakers who will be there. And so once again, this is the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. Uh, This will be October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Register by May 1st, and uh, well, actually it's past May 1st, uh, so that's too late. But uh, early bird pricing ends August 1st, so go and register, and you can do that by going to conference.ses.edu. I need to let you know about another conference. I have a chance to, uh, an opportunity to actually be part of this conference called the Defending Doctrine Apologetics Conference. This will be May 20th and 21st at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Roundup, Montana, uh, including uh, among the speakers will be myself, yours truly, uh, be speaking on uh, the the, uh, reliability of the New Testament. Uh, We'll also have uh, Lonnie Schrag, I may butcher some of these names, Caleb Lepore, (laughs) uh, David Lodwig, uh, Marcia Montenegro, uh, John Duckworth, Clinton Wilcox, he's been on our podcast before. Uh, he'll be talking about uh, the abortion issue. Mike Mitchell, the pastor of First Baptist Livingston. Uh, Ross, Ross Llewellyn, Llewellyn uh, pastor of First Baptist Billings, Montana. Uh, Abigail McCoy, a summit graduate, she'll be there. Tom Iverson, uh, professor emeritus of mathematics and computer science will be there. Jason Oaks, uh, the adjunct professor for Bethel Seminary, people of the free gift associated with them, and pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church. And also, my guest today, who is no stranger to the Bellator Christie podcast, Michael Bone of Youth Apologetics Training, uh, he's going to be there, and he's going to be talking about a defense of doctrine, uh, he'll also be talking about dangerous doctrines creeping into Christianity. That ought to be fantastic. Uh, that'll be two parts, uh, or is it three? Two parts, it looks like. And so uh, looking forward to that, that'll be fantastic. So it's a joy and privilege to have back with us here on the Bellator Christie podcast, Michael Bohm. We were talking about the occult a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this before the show. Uh, Michael, there were a lot of things. The devil was fighting us hard to get the podcast on last week, and I understand uh, <laughs> there were some even some bizarre things happening now uh, before we we uh, have this podcast underway, but it is a privilege to have you back with us today, my friend. Oh, it's an honor to be here, Brian. Thank you. Well, last time we were discussing uh, the occult, uh, we were talking about the main types of Western occult practice, and uh, there were a few others that you were going to mention. What are some of the others, other uh, types of occult practice going on in the Western world? All right. So uh, something that we're all aware of around us, and there's so many different forms of this, but that would be fortune telling or Forthtelling, or or forms of prophecy that come from within the world world of the occult, and uh, one of those that many people are familiar with is tarot cards. Uh, something <laughs> I played with tarot cards quite a bit when I was back in my my uh, BC days before Christ, <laughs> when I was practicing the occult. And something that I learned new uh, just recently is that tarot cards. Um, actually were first introduced as a card game. So there you go. You heard it really? here. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. That uh, in in France they were using it as a card game, but then somewhere in there it developed into uh, an occult practice of trying to use these cards to uh, tell things about people as well as to foretell or prophesy or fortune tell, if you will, the future. And there's all types of different styles of tarot cards. There's many different types. Uh, Alistair Crowley, if you've ever heard of him, he even had, in fact, I think I mentioned him last week, he even had his own line of tarot cards. I think that might have been a marketing thing, but uh, it was called the uh, Thoth. I'm not entirely sure if I'm pronouncing that right because I've never heard anybody say it. Uh, but it's basically you, you take these cards, you shuffle them up. Uh, there's various incantations or spells that one could take part in, but then you place the cards down in various patterns on the table, and depending on the different placements, each placement represents a different uh, portion of your life, different things about you as well as different things that are coming. Uh, the funny thing about all of these forms of occult practices that endeavor to try and tell the future is they're about as accurate as you know many of these hyper-charismatics that just start pulling stuff out of thin air. Um, <laughs> You know, most of the time, 99% of the time, they're off. Um, and another thing that's often done with trying to fortune tell within the world of the occult is a lot of the good, successful fortune tellers, they understand how easy it is to disprove their prophecies. So what they do is they make it very elastic, like some very elastic pair of underwear that can fit around just about anybody. <laughs> Okay, and so a lot of these these uh, um, readings will have things that will tickle people's ears, make you feel good, but they're vague enough that they can pretty much fit anybody. And if you want it to be true, you can find something in your future that you can point back at that time when you had your, your cards read and say, see, they were right. You know what I mean? So Tarot is kind of like Uno gone wild, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that goes for uh, especially horoscopes. Uh, horoscopes, everybody's encountered these. There, if you've ever heard of a newspaper, they always had in the newspapers horoscopes, and you can go and find them in the checkout line at the grocery stores. Sometimes, still, there's all types of websites devoted to horoscopes, and it's the idea that you can look up in the skies. Well, trained individuals, astrologers, can look up in the sky, observe the stars, observe the position of the stars in conjunction with your particular star sign, you know, uh, whether you're a Gemini or a Cancer or uh, whatever, you know, Sagittarius, there's all these different signs, and then they will attempt to tell you what your day is going to be like. Now, uh, that is, again, it's very elastic. It's something that you can fit around just about anybody. And uh, just for a laugh, uh, when I did, a, I did a series on astrology and horos horoscopes, and <clears throat> just for a good laugh, I went ahead and read a horoscope on the podcast. <laughs> and I announced it was for a particular sign. And then I read the podcast, and then I finished off, and I said, okay, so... Those with that particular sign, I bet a lot of you were gasping as you realized just how accurately that described yesterday, because I read yesterday's. <laughs> and, and then I said, but there's one problem. I lied. That's not the sign. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I didn't tell him what sign it was. Then I, then I proceeded to read a, a signs, you know how in horoscopes and astrology, they'll have descriptions of different signs, like... Oh, you're a Gemini, so you're this and you're that, and this is what you're good at, it, and this is what you're not so good at. Well, I read one of those signs and did the exact same thing. And the funny thing is, I read the sign and I thought, gosh, that fits me, and it wasn't even mine. Um, and I went, <laughs> if you read down the different signs, you can find character traits in every single one of them that fit you. Kind of uh, like so fortune cookies or something like that. You know, this is something one size fits all, really. That's right, that's right. And so when you when you get into the world of astrology, see that it's, okay, the belief that by observing the positions of various celestial bodies during specific times, one can uh, tell 
the future as well as make accurate accurate predictions about people's characters and uh, sometimes even their future. Um, there's so many different types of astrology. Of course, all of them are claiming that they're the right one, but none of them are accurate. None of them are even close. And people pay big money. There's people out there that pay big money to, to uh, have access to an astrologer that will give them a reading. Uh, when Marsha Montenegro, uh, shameless plug of the, the conference coming up here, she spent years as a licensed astrologer. And so uh, she's going to have a lot to say about that, I'm sure. Of course, I'm not sure if her topic is going to be covering that. Um, no, 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 I'm reading down the different list. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Mindfulness, mindfulness in the Buddhist New Age context. No, probably not. She probably won't bring it up, but she does have a lot to say about astrology. Um, but yeah, there's Egyptian astrology, Chinese, Indian, uh, uh, Sri Lanka astrology, Arab and Persian astrology. There's, believe it, believe it or not, there is Islamic astrology. That would be kind of interesting to look into. Uh, Babylonian, uh, Celtic, Mayan, and the list goes on and on. There's so many different forms. They all claim to be the right one, and none of them are right. It's a mess. They all do one thing in common, though. They say flattering words that make you feel good. And when you hear flattering words about yourself, you just want to believe them, right? <laughs> It's kind of like when Joel Osteen says, it's your time, you know, when he says, it's time to live your best life now. You know, it's that same kind of idea. It, it makes you feel good. It tickles those ears and you just, you just love it. And so a lot of people embrace that. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the church that embrace astrology. Right. So that's, that's kind of a mess. Um, there's one thing that did, did, did not make me feel good that I just noticed. I'm following Marsha Montenegro at the conference. Oh boy! <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep, that's a tough act to follow. I, you know, I haven't even looked to see who I'm following, who I'm going forward or before, but uh, it'll be fun, Brian. This is going to be absolutely. Just amazing. It's going to be a blast. Absolutely, uh, I'm looking forward and, to it. Yeah, and and since we're already rabbit trailing, talking about conferences, <laughs> that blows my mind. That uh, that conference in North Carolina, I forgot the name of it already. Uh, but National Hugh Conference Ross, on Christian Apologetics, absolutely. Yeah, Hugh Ross, Old Earther, and Ken Ham, Young Earther, yeah. at the same conference. That that's fun. And if it's, <laughs> if if I'm not mistaken, I think they're going to have some. Uh, here, yeah, I'm running a rabbit trail here myself now, but they're going to have some debates. Uh, and I think one of them, if I'm not mistaken, let me look here and see, uh, it's going to be an in-house dialogue, uh, God's word or man's word from where must apologetics begin. And I thought that I may be wrong about this. I thought that, uh, that, uh, that they may have some type of discussion. And this actually may be what the discussion is about different apologetic methodology, methodologies, perhaps even dealing with that issue. So, uh, there's there's yeah, going to be yeah, more information to come. Yeah, yeah, historical apologetics and presuppositional evidential apologetics. Yeah, that's that's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Um, I'm going to see about if there's a way to stream that, which I'm sure they've got some type of option to stream because there's no way in the world I'm going to be able to go to there or go to that conference. I just my wife and I just went to the Ozarks to a Worldview Weekend with Brandon House there conference and uh, spent the weekend in Missouri and uh, that pretty much exhausted between that and going to Israel earlier this year that pretty much exhausted my time boy I, I know you're not supposed to be envious but man I am envious <laughs> if nothing else the trip to Israel man <laughs> yeah we, we got a smoking deal that we just could not pass up it was too good to be true it was kind of one of those once-in-a-lifetime deals where we just we didn't have an option to say no. The price was so good, we looked at each other and we're like, we, we have to do this. We'll hate ourselves forever if we don't. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, getting back on topic, 
So another form of occult practice uh, that you find in the Western world, as well as all over the globe, really, is numerology. Now, um, connected to that is another form called gametria, but we'll talk about that in a second. Numerology is the idea that you can take numbers and assign mystical meanings to these numbers, uh, each letter of the alphabet having a numerical value, and that you can take words and rather, no, let's go ahead and talk about gametria and numerology at the same time. Because gametria takes, and you can look at the Hebrew words in the Bible, and each one of those Hebrew letters has a numerical value. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. But then they'll start the, the, the same grabbing. Is, the same is true in Greek as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll start grabbing, though, from like the Zohar, which is one of the, the most prominent books on Kabbalah. They'll start t- taking comments from or uh, uh, concepts from the Zohar and other esoteric writings, mystical writings, and they'll start assigning meanings to each of those numbers. And then, so then you can take a sentence in the Bible that says something absolutely explicit. You can read it, you can understand it, it's obvious. You read it and you're like, I know what that's saying. But then somebody comes up and says, ah, but this word, the number that this word represents is this. And then this word over here represents another number. And then pretty soon you've taken and you've mapped out the whole sentence and you've got all these numbers, and then you're adding and doing all kinds of, you know, goofy stuff with it. Next thing you know, you've got a whole new meaning for the sentence. Mm. Now that, that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. Um, I suppose some people like to put in this camp uh, Bible codes. It's not really in that camp. Um, I'm still a little bit undecided on this whole Bible code thing. I know the book uh, that Michael Drosnan released. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Bible codes one and two. That one was a train wreck. That one was was pretty sad. I mean, we're he was finding uh, you know small little words here and there, which small words are pretty easy to find when you're doing the equal distant letter sequencing. I, I guess I should explain that a little bit. But they'll take and if you skip X amount of of letters in Hebrew, and then you'll take one that one letter, and then skip the exact same amount of letters again and then take the next letter, and then skip that, you know, and you get equal distance letter sequencing going, you can get secret messages out of the Bible. Mm. That is a dangerous thing to be doing. Also, uh, people like Michael Drosnan are uh, coming up with uh, prophecies, basically, on his own, grabbing these equal distance letter sequencing messages and coming up with alleged prophecies about all kinds of things. I mean, he'll look up his own name, other people's names in the Bible, and you can find it sooner or later with that many letters throughout the scriptures. You're going to be able to find your name in there somewhere. Hmm. And they'll start drawing conclusions from that. And it's it's pretty dangerous. It's not something we as Christians should be doing. We should not be playing games with the Bible like that. Um, having said that, there, there are some interesting anomalies in the Bible um, with numbers. But it's, it's not so much playing with the letters and assigning values to each of the letters as, as much as it is out of there's, there's some kind of, uh, uh, how do I say this? God has placed things within the scripture that are kind of interesting. I, would, I wouldn't want to make doctrine out of it, but you can kind of see his, his, his uh, fingerprints on the Bible, if you will, and you're probably wondering where in the world I'm going with this. Um, I ran into a guy at this last conference who had who, who, who is a computer programmer, and he ran a program on the Bible, and he was just looking for number uh, uh, um, anomalies around the number seven. And he found some really fascinating stuff, and I, I guess I want to talk to him a little bit about it. I don't know if I want to have him on the podcast yet or not, because I have a lot of questions. I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of things unanswered so far. But he found things like, uh, he, and, and he's looking at the entire Bible, cover to cover. He was using the Masoretic text for the Old Testament, and I believe he was using the Texas Receptus for the New Testament. Okay, And here's something that's really strange. 
the number of words in the vocabulary will divide evenly by seven, is what he found. The number of words that begin with a vowel, and we're talking about the entire Bible, cover to cover. The number of words that start with a vowel divide by seven. The number of words that start with a consonant divide by seven. The number of words that end with a vowel divide by seven. The number of words that end with a consonant divide by seven. And he just, he found these freaky patterns. The number of female names in the Bible divide by seven. The number of male names in the Bible divide by seven. And it just keeps going and going and going. He's got this list of, of uh, sevens. It's really strange. But anyway, that is a massive rabbit trail, and I really need to get us back to what we're talking about. Um, but would you say it was, it was something the difference between that and and this in the Bible code in the geometry, like what you were talking about earlier, is that if there is something to that, maybe they're looking at uh, possible connections and links within the text, whereas the the uh, Bible code individuals you were referencing are, are trying to make are trying to take numbers in the Bible to make them say things that they probably didn't say. It seems to me like there's yes. a different hermeneutical value in, in the two. Yeah. What, what this guy is, is endeavoring to show is that the canon of Scripture that we have today is 100% exactly what God in, originally intended from the very start. Mm. So the Apocrypha, if you, I mean, if you, in other words, what he told me was, he said, if you add one single letter to the Bible, it would throw off his entire, everything, his, his entire mathematical calculations, everything would just be destroyed. Mm. It wouldn't work. You add one more name to the Bible, it doesn't work. You add one more anything to the Bible, one more book, anything, and it doesn't work. He tried the same thing with the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of the Great Price, Doctrines and Covenants, the Koran. Uh, Mary Baker's, uh, uh, oh, what is her book? Health and Key to the Scriptures. I think I just botched that. Uh, I think he even tried it on uh, L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics. He tried it on a bunch of various alleged uh, um, sacred books, if you will, and not a one of them exhibited even the slightest amount of, of these strange uh, anomalies. So I don't know. It's interesting. Hmm. There's still a lot of questions and I'm not going to pick that ball up and run with it yet, but I definitely want to talk to him about it. And um, who knows, maybe he'll be on the podcast in the future if it holds water. And if it doesn't, well, it is what it is. There you go. And I will gladly throw up my hands and say, well, that was kind of neat, but no. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, another um, new age practice, not as common, or, or I should say cult practice, not as common, but you see it. You see people playing with oracles and ruins. Uh, oracles and ruins, um, often used by New Agers to make um, instant decisions about a direction that they're going to take in their life or to forecast the future. So they'll pull these runes from a bag or sometimes uh, cast sticks. It's, it's almost like casting dice. They'll take these stones, they'll throw them down, and then depending on how they land, they're able to uh, come up with an interpretation. So, kind of interesting. It's, it's almost like pendulums, which we're going to get into a little bit um, further here, because pendulums, I feel like that falls more within the realm of necromancy. But yeah, you hold a, a, a weight of some type on a string, and then you oftentimes they'll have like a little chart that drawn out on a piece of paper. Yes, no, other answers. And then they'll allow this thing to start rotating, which they'll imagine that it's rotating by some kind of <laughs> some kind of spiritual power. Most likely it's just the slightest movement of their hand to get this thing going. But then they'll come up with interpretations um, from what they, they find. And I think that fits more within the realm of of um, automatic writing and Ouija boards and stuff like that, which we're going to get to here in a second. So, um, yeah, that's oracles and runes, another form. Um, well, okay, actually, that's, that's kind of it for fortune telling. There's so many different types of fortune telling out there, um, but those are kind of the most prominent ones that you see nowadays. Um, another, we, we were, go we ahead. Were. Well, we were talking about this um, this thing called necromancy, and this is a popular thing today. 
about yeah. contact yeah. with the dead. Uh, you mentioned this on on one of our first podcasts that we that we did that we've done on the on cults and the occult, uh, and you mentioned some stories about uh, your your own personal contact with a demonic entity, and so um, the issue of necromancy is contact with the dead. You know how is this a dangerous practice, and and does the Bible speak against? such a practice, which we both know that it does, but what, what are some of the biblical references that would show uh, the Bible's condemnation of such a thing? Okay. Um, give me a second here, as I am uh, shifting to a different portion of my notes here. So, yeah, necromancy, um, you know, really quick, different forms of necromancy, just so your listeners are aware, there is Ouija boards, and if, uh, you know, a lot of people have seen some of the movies out there about Ouija boards, like it's a board, it's got the alphabet on there, there's numbers, one corner you have yes written, another corner you have no, <clears throat> and then they'll have this this uh, little device, it's kind of shaped like a, uh, a spade, or an upside down heart, and it's called a planchette, and it's got a little pointer on it, and it's got a little, a lot of times it has a little glass or plastic window in the middle, <clears throat> and everybody will sit around this thing, and everybody will put a couple fingers on this thing, and then attempt to contact the spirit. And this planchette will start moving around the board. Sometimes it's because somebody is moving the planchette intentionally. I used to do that all the time with my friends, and it got very humorous. <laughs> but at uh, other times, spirits will come through, and they will speak through this board. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, I I had contact with many different spirits. One in particular started telling me things that normal people would not know. And I started making friends with this very friendly spirit that claimed to be a young boy that had died in a car accident. And um, as, as this relationship progressed, he started telling me things about other people at school, uh, people that I knew, and... Um, <clears throat> Things that I shouldn't have known. And uh, eventually, as this relationship progressed, this spirit continued to ask me to do more and more things for it. Okay, In, in exchange for knowledge, I would have to do things. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually it asked me to, no joke, asked me to off somebody. And that's when I was done using Ouija boards. Uh, but encountered some pretty wild stuff. Um, Things in the room moving by themselves, um, <laughs> all kinds of really bizarre stuff. Candles all blowing out at the same time, smoke appearing in the room, R really strange stuff. Uh, something you don't want to play with. And then, of course, we talked about pendulums. There's automatic writing where you clear your mind and allow a spirit to take over your hands and write through your hands. And a lot of the times when people are doing this, they don't even know what they're writing. Stuff just starts pouring out on the page. And then they read it later. Uh, many uh, New Agers and occultists have written entire books doing automatic writing. Mm. So also an occult practice. Uh, of course, yeah. we've all seen seances and movies you know, where everybody's sitting around a table. and Maybe they're holding hands. Maybe they're sitting around some crystal ball in the middle. But the same type of idea of somebody's kind of in charge, somebody's the medium. And then they will channel a spirit, and different things will happen. Sometimes the spirit will speak directly through their mouth. Sometimes you'll just hear the speak, the, the spirit speak to the whole room. Sometimes the table will start tapping. And kind of like the Ouija board, they'll use the table taps, almost, I guess, kind of like Morse code, to get messages from these spirits. You know, tap once for yes, tap two for no, these type of things. And... Um, so, yeah, that'd be table tipping or table tapping. That reminds me of Beetlejuice, the movie Beetlejuice. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of occult practices that they slipped into that movie. Yeah. Um, and they did it under the guise of this is a fun comedy, and so we all couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> it went through. That's true. It was a fun movie, I'll admit it. Uh, but, yeah, it was pretty messed up, really, when you look at the different concepts that were being portrayed in there. Um, and then there's, well, okay, I already talked about channeling. So, okay, so why is it dangerous? Well, one thing that needs to be said is you're not 
talking to your dearest Aunt Gertrude, or whoever your aunt or uncle or grandma who passed away, their name is, okay? Uh, when, we, when we perish, when we die, we go to a holding place, a, a place, you know, that's referred to in the Bible sometimes as Hades, and, and in that place, there's a place of rest, and there's a place that's not too comfortable, okay? And then after everything is said and done, then there is a judgment, and we find out who is going to that lake of fire and who is not, okay? But when these spirits are in this place of rest, God just doesn't let people call them forth at will. This is a dangerous thing. This is not something you want to do. When you talk to these spirits, um, I would say 99.9, if not 100% of the time, and the only reason why I put that little disclaimer in there is because there is one instance I'm going to talk about in the Bible. Uh, but most of the time, you're not talking to that person. You're talking to a familiar spirit or a demon, basically. Mm -hmm. A spirit that is familiar with that person that you think you're talking to. Okay, so it's it's actually, I mean, they'll reveal stuff that only you and them know. You know, you're thinking, well, that's got to be grandma, because it was only her and I that had this one situation where we had this conversation or whatever, and this thing happened. But no, you're dealing with a spirit that's very familiar with, you know, your grandma or whoever you're talking to, your husband, your wife. Um, now, there was a situation um, where... Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament, um, consulted a spirit, and um, he got in a lot of trouble for that. He was trying to call up Samuel, and, um, you know, eventually, yeah, supposedly Samuel did show up, and I've heard arguments that, you know, people saying that, no, that wasn't really Samuel. Although, from what I'm reading in the text, it kind of seems like it might have been. Yeah, I, then I really we have, think it was. Uh, but there's this text in First Chronicles chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. God explains what... Uh-oh. Uh... ...he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also... For asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him, and turned the kingdom unto David the son of Jesse. So, is that a problem? Yes. Does God like when we do these types of things? Absolutely not. Um, another thing that you're potentially uh, doing is you're opening yourself up to demonic uh, oppression. Uh, and <clears throat> I have seen that personally, and I've seen I, I've seen that in other people's lives. I've seen people who play with the occult, who talk to spirits, who open themselves up to these things, and they end up with major, major demonic problems. Um, hmm. it, it, I guess for fear of, of sounding, uh, I don't know, discrediting my witness here, but uh, I've, I've encountered situations where I've been at people's houses who just got done doing various uh, rituals with, with demonic spirits involved. And no joke, I mean, there were knockings on the wall. There was smoke that would circulate through the room. The room would be completely clear. Then there'd be a cloud of smoke that would circulate through. The faucet in the kitchen kept turning on and off. I mean, you can look at it and you can watch it turn off and on. The knob would turn, the water would flow, the knob would turn, it would turn off. It was a really messed up evening. The house would go from ice cold to really hot, back to ice cold. Um, but anyway, they had problems. Well, they you, had know, you know, Michael, I encountered a, a lady when I worked uh, when I worked at a, at a particular industry, and I won't say any, any you know, for first. For protection of her, I won't, you know, mention any more than that. But, but she claimed to be one who, who, or who conducted in necromancy like this, and and she would go around telling people about individuals that she had spoken with, apparently from their past. And um, this was when while I was out of the ministry and out out of the will of the Lord, 
and I remember her telling me some things, you know, about supposedly from some loved ones of the past. And it came to a point where when I was walking down uh, a hallway, there would be someone tapping me hard on the shoulder and look back to notice that there was no one there. So I can understand just kind of to, to verify what you're saying here. I, I haven't seen the things to the degree that what you're talking about, but I do know having experiences like that, that I could see where this would be an issue. In the Bible, it talks about spirits that will, like, for example, a spirit that threw that boy in the fire or would, would uh, seize upon somebody and would send them into convulsions. Uh, you had the one man who had a legion of demons who uh, they had to keep him in chains because he would hurt people. He would just go, you know, go buck wild and start hurting people. Uh, you had the, the seven sons of uh, Skibby who were, <laughs> that was a joke, that was a pun, who uh, were reduced <laughs> to nothing but their underwear and beat silly by one oh, person. Well, I'm, I'm a little slow him. tonight. I just caught your, your pun. <laughs> I'm a little slow tonight. Sorry about that. <laughs> but um, these, these spirits, and I don't believe that a Christian can be possessed. I'll go ahead and put that out there. But I do believe oh, that these spirits can oppress Christians. And um, they, I have, I've never had this happen to myself. And again, I hope I don't discredit myself by saying this, but I've seen stuff like this so often that I, I guess I lean, I lean in the direction of, I think I believe this. Um, they can physically attack you. Uh, and I don't think they can physically attack Christians, but I've met people, I know people, okay, I know somebody, very personally, who is very truthful and does not make stories up, somebody that I love dearly, who has been physically held down by a spirit and, 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 and choked. And the only way, uh, the only thing she could think of, of doing, and this was before she was saved, was to try and say, Jesus saved me. That's all she could think of saying. And when she uttered the name Jesus, it stopped. And I've heard stories like that over and over and over. I've had people all over the internet contact me and talk about stories like that. So I, I guess I don't really have a reason to doubt that. I mean, if they can, the Bible talks about these spirits having the ability to, you know, cast somebody in the fire and, and do some pretty amazing things, cause uh, pigs to be the first uh, biblical case of deviled ham. <laughs> and, and jump off a cliff into a lake. You see, you know, I caught that because that's what we were talking about tonight. It's ironic that you mentioned that we're going through the miracles of Jesus, and that was the miracle tonight that we were referencing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, yeah, this it's just something that uh, for a, a Christian, you definitely don't want to be doing this because it offends God. It's highly offensive to God. And um, you don't want to make God angry. You know, we all have issues. We all have enough issues. We don't need to be adding to it by having some weird fascination with the occult and doing things that God literally calls an abomination. Okay? But as an unbeliever, you really put yourself out there, and you can end up in a, a, a world of hurt. Um, you open yourself up to possession, oppression, being physically attacked by these things. Uh, usually what they end up doing is you you have a situation where you're possessed and you start basically going insane because you have multiple voices in your head and it's, it, you start wrestling with yourself. Did I say that? Was that a spirit that said that? What is that? You know? Um, well, my, my so thought, I, 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 I don't mean to get us off on topic and, and if you're willing to do this, we, we may need to look into having a third <laughs> podcast on this. <laughs> this is just such a, such a, an immense topic, but my question to you, I have always felt, and hearing in, in reading material, researching you know, things, talking about demonic possessions and things of this nature, and it seems to me that in cultures where the gospel has not been presented, where, where, where the message of Christ has not been presented, that demonic possessions are much higher in those areas than are in Christian, Christian lands. And it seems right. to me that the more our culture turns away from Christ, the more these bizarre things are happening, these just evil things taking place, 
that makes you kind of wonder if they're not demonic possessions. So I guess my question to you is, do you believe that the more the culture turns from Christ, the more of these type of events that we could see? I do. I do. Now, all right, with, with a little caveat, I guess, if our culture was just going to atheism, then I don't think we would see much of an uptick uh, of these types of events. If our culture descends into more of a new age spirituality slash occult, absolutely. The more you play around with these things, the more doors you open, the more instances of these types of things we're going to start seeing. So, uh, you know, in cultures where uh, you have a very atheistic culture, you don't see a whole lot of this. In cultures where there is uh, uh, powerful influences of maybe voodoo or um, other types of, you know, really extreme occult practices, absolutely, all the time. You see a lot of stuff like that. So, um, can I throw out a couple of scriptures real quick? Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. Uh, Isaiah says this, he says, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? Okay, so God is rebuking. He's offended by, and he's rebuking those who claim to be following after him, but rather rather than seeking him on matters of advice and, and whatnot, they're seeking after spirits. And, I mean, I would imagine just about every person here listening has a friend or a relative or maybe has done this in their life where this person claims to be a Christian, but yet they went to somebody because of a fascination with this topic to try and consult the dead. Whether they got a Ouija board, went to a seance of some kind, a channeler, they attempted to contact a dead relative, almost everybody know somebody that's done that, who also claims to be a Christian. Uh, this is something that we as Christians need to avoid. Um, and God calls it an abomination. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 through 12, it says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth, useth easy for me to say, divination, or an observer of times, okay, so all of these practices just about are some form of witchcraft, useth divination, or an observer of times, uh, that's most likely an astrologer, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer, for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. So I guess that might actually be another answer to the question we were talking about before we started re recording today. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> because the Canaanites uh, hated the Lord and did all type of occult practices. And God calls that an abomination. And God had Joshua and his men drive out those nations before them. So anyway, I just want to throw that in there. If there's any Christians listening that have been taking part of this again, just repent. You know, Christ, when he died on the cross, he died for all your sins, past, present, present, and future. He's not taken by surprise by this. I mean, it's not anything that shocked him. He went, oh man, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, he knows what you did. It is an abomination. It is something that that really needs to be repented of, but it's that simple. Repent, get on your knees, ask for forgiveness, and move on. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. And perhaps even if you know somebody else that's involved, try to steer them away from it. But you can be forgiven. This is not something you're going to uh, you know, get struck by lightning or, or offed for. <laughs> you can be forgiven. Uh, but we shouldn't be doing this. And Michael, believe it or not, we are out of time. Believe that we are uh, we are we have already uh, finished up another podcast here, uh, brother. If if you're willing, uh, we'll look at doing a third uh, third episode on on the occult. 
uh, here here pretty soon because uh, I know we still have a lot of material still left, a lot of questions that we had about uh, the occult, talking even about New Age and some even some popular. In fact, I was talking with a lady after church tonight. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Uh, and so I was talking with a lady after service tonight about some of the things that our youth are facing. So uh, hopefully in our next podcast, we're talking about this. And, 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 and a very important question we want to consider, too, on our next, uh, our next time together is how do we go about reaching individuals who are part of the occult? So we have a lot of stuff to talk about still yet. So we hope that you'll join us uh, here on the Bellator Christie podcast as we hope to have Michael back with us here very soon on a third part uh, as we talk about uh, the occult. And uh, as Michael said, if you're involved in this, listen, there's there's no time like the present moment to turn and, and to uh, just simply repent, uh, stop practicing it. As Michael has said, it's an abomination to the Lord. So uh, there's no time like the present. Just simply repent and turn to the Lord. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we highly want to encourage you today uh, to, res- to make him your Savior and Lord, the Lord of your life. And so we encourage you to do just that. And so for Michael Bohm, this is Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you back next time. The Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights are reserved. The views expressed by guests on the podcast are of those expressing them and may not represent those of the host Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The theme played on the podcast is the song Epic and is produced royalty-free by Bensound Studios found at bensound.com. Visit bellatorchristie.com and subscribe by entering your email to receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. This podcast can also be found on several podcatchers, including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We thank you for joining us today. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. 